Hey there, creatives. I am delighted to be returning back to the microphone and starting the process of delivering new content, new interviews, and conversations with uh, some really amazing people. Um, I didn't realize how much I needed that time off uh, from podcasting this summer. And um, at first I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like I, I love doing this. I love having conversations with other therapists and it's, it's exciting because I learned so much in the process and, um, and I just love talking to people too, I think, in, in hearing about what cool stuff they're doing. Um, but I got to this point earlier in the year where I, it felt like it felt so hard to do it each week. And I think it probably had something to do with, you know, just having a lot going on in my personal life. Moving is um, considered, you know, one of the top stressful things that uh, we do in life. And, and it was the first time I've moved in, um, almost 16 years, which is crazy. So, uh, it was, it was a lot. And after I got settled and I'm, I'm, you know, like having this break of not releasing any episodes at all, I was like, okay, I'm like ready to get started again, uh, which worked out perfectly because then I could get a head start on um, some of these new recordings. And so the episode that you're going to hear today is a conversation that I had with Gretchen Miller, who is a well-known art therapist. Um, and she, oh my goodness, she's amazing and just does um, so many cool projects. Uh, I love following her and seeing all of the cool arts-based uh, work that she does that's not necessarily therapy um, in addition to art therapy work. Um, but our conversation today really focuses on her book, um, the Art Therapist Guide to Social Media. And we talk a bit about social media and what to think about and, um, you know, how to approach it from uh, the perspective of I'm new to social media. I've never used it as a way to promote my work and myself and what are the things I need to think about in order to do that. Um, ethically and um, and authentically too. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Gretchen. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater 
impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist Podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I am super excited to welcome Gretchen Miller to the show today. Gretchen Miller is a registered board certified art therapist and an advanced certified trauma practitioner practicing in Cleveland and Akron, Ohio. Her experiences include providing art therapy services for youth and women from homes of domestic violence, grieving children and adolescents and families and adults transitioning out of homelessness, survivors of human trafficking and youth managing mental health recovery. Gretchen is a regional, national, and international speaker, art therapy author about adolescence, domestic violence, digital art therapy, and social media, as well as an adjunct faculty at Ursuline College and the George Washington University's graduate art therapy programs. Gretchen currently serves on the American Art Therapy Association Board of Directors, is a past president of Ohio's Buckeye Art Therapy Association, and recipient of BATA's Honorary Life Membership Award. She's the author of The Art Therapist's Guide to Social Media, published by Rutledge, and served as guest editor for the International Journal of Art Therapy's special issue about online art therapy in 2020. Welcome, Gretchen. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be part of this podcast. I'm excited too. Yeah. I'm excited too. And and one of the things I um I've been following your presence for a really long time, and I can't quite remember like which at a conference it was, but it was quite, mm. quite a long time ago. And um, it was really kind of before social media had really taken root mm. in the ethos. And it was like kind of on the edge, but you were talking about this digital landscape at the conference and and that was kind of my first like, oh, wait, what? Like, what is that? What can we do about that? I think um, maybe because before using sort of the social media language, like in the mid 2000s or around that, I was, I, I remember my presentations or um, offering sort of around this topic were about um, professional uh, networking online, like e-networking. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, because community, even back in the early, like when I was a graduate student, that was something that was of interest of me, like e-forums and listservs and all of that kind of pre, pre, pre social media stuff. And so, um, yeah, I remember kind of doing presentations sort of around like e-networking more so than specifically identifying it as social media, like you would do now. Yeah. Right. It kind of grew and morphed into mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask like what sparked your interest, but it sounded mm. like it, it was about the community aspect of, of things. Yeah. Um, I mean, back when I was a graduate student um, in art therapy, 
I was involved with the American Art Therapies Association's student subcommittee that they sort of had at that time, uh, which was underneath um, the umbrella of the education committee. It was really a committee for students, like by students, and mm -hmm. students would all like get you know together in a room and network uh get to know sort of each other and um i think i was the co-chair of the subcommittee uh and eventually became chair but one of the the things that they we would do at the meetings which was very typical at conference presentations in general was pass around this like legal pad to like <laughs> write your email down which you know not everybody had an email address or even were um skeptical about yeah, it yeah <laughs> like even yeah they were sort of like hesitant you know some people were like i don't have an email address but this legal pad would go around and you'd write your name and um not just your postal address to have stuff mailed to you but your email address and so i um when i was chair i sort of converted that email list into creating like a um, e-group or mm. uh, online community through um, Delphi forums, which was like, mm -hmm. an, I think it's still around, uh, an early form of um, community kind of bulletin boards. And um, that was really helpful because it provided um, sort of reciprocal um, communication sort of back yeah. and forth um not just me sending out an email to just this group you know of students and updating them on things that are going on in ADA or therapy but people could engage like back and forth and I've just always had an interest in using technology in that way for the art therapy community and then social media kind of developed much more formally and it, it just really fit with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're probably one of the the first art therapists out on the social media um, all around. <laughs> At least when I first started getting out there and, and like utilizing it for the work. Um, and it was nice to have a model um, like, hey, it's okay to be out here and talking about, you know, the work that we do and and having that public um, interface. And I really appreciate that idea of building the community, particularly amongst um, the arts therapy um, professionals. For many of us, we have like our cohort when we're in school and then we kind of disband. And for those of us that move away from that, like um, circumference of the college or university that we were in and we go back to <laughs> the different areas of the country where we originated from, there really, there's not a lot of other people that know about the work that, you know, we can talk with about the work. Um, and you kind of feel like you're out, like floating alone. Yeah, it can be, be very isolating um, and not having that, that sense of um, community 
um, physically, um, technology removes a lot of those geographical barriers um, that we can experience um, not only within our own cities and towns and states, um, but countries as well now. I mean, you can really connect so easily with other art therapists in other countries and, and regions and attend conferences and workshops and, and do podcasts like this, you know, on a global level. And it is accessible in a way that makes physical sort of travel or the economic kind of cost of that um, a lot easier for people. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's what's really great with the sort of, um, I guess, the increase in social media. Yeah. You know, from its very early, early beginnings. Absolutely. And um, I know, like, it's made such a huge impact, like building that community and having those communities really um, helped me early on as I was like transitioning into practice, like my own practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but also when I was working in other agencies or, and, and really like there weren't any other art therapists around at that time. Now there's quite a few in the community, which is really exciting. Um, and so like occasionally not since COVID, but you know, pre COVID we would get together and make art and, and stuff, which is nice, but, um, to be able to have the community online, it does, it, it gives a sense of, you know, that connection, uh, which is really helpful yes, and so important. important. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what drove you to write the book? The art oh, therapist boy, guide. Gosh. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, something I would have never ever like imagined at all. Um, uh, Rutledge was really um, pursuing kind of me to, to write sort of something. Um, and um, social media was a topic that sort of came up, you know, for me that, you know, I was really super immersed in, but mm -hmm. I was resistant, I guess, to mm. putting that into a book form more so, I guess, because, well, many reasons, but one of them was um, the, the changing of technology is so yeah. So oh I was like, man, this is going to be published and there's already going to be things updated, you know, and things are fast moving. There are some things um, that um, don't exist anymore that that are mentioned, like Vine, you know, the video sort oh, of yeah. content. Yeah, like is no longer sort of around or um just different platforms and how things evolve and um, change. So the challenge of trying to capture the core of like what makes social media um, a media tools to use um, was definitely something I had to think about um, mm -hmm. a lot more um, intentionally and also 
social media, doing things online and posting things or uh, blogging and all that. Like, I just find it like fun and enjoyable. And I thought maybe doing a book would just kind of take that fun, you know, like it seemed like so like academic-y and mm -hmm. um, literature bay. I don't know. Like I, I didn't, I don't know. I wasn't, but as the process was going on, I was really like, yeah, this, I, this, I'm really glad, like having that opportunity to kind of mm -hmm. find, you know, ways to support like the things that I was already kind of doing. Um, mm -hmm. And then kind of having that um, guide tangibly to kind of, you know, look, sort of back on um for sure so um I feel like of all the things that I was currently sort of doing it had the most um sort of engagement like on my mm -hmm. end so it, mm -hmm. it made sense like in that way but there were like a zillion other reasons why I was like no this is probably maybe not a good idea <laughs> so yeah I think it's one of those texts where you're probably going to have to do like revisions, like revised editions or something as the landscape evolves and changes and grows and, mm -hmm. and therapists are pushing their boundaries as to how they're using these platforms to really promote their businesses and mm -hmm. um, like their products and services. And um, I know I, that, that's something I really want to kind of focus our conversation around mm -hmm. for therapists that are kind of maybe hesitant to use social media or haven't used social media, which I have encountered a lot, mm -hmm. um, that, that they're like, oh no, I don't have anything on Facebook. I don't, I don't have anything here or there or whatever. Um, for, for therapists that are just starting out, and they want to be able to utilize um, this type of media to promote and, and expand their business or their, their product. Um, where do you think they should start? Yeah, there are definitely um, many ways that you can use social media professionally, um, depending on where you're at sort of in your career, whether you've just graduated or even as a student. Um, and then if you've been practicing for a little while or more seasoned or even, you know, like a uh, sort of a veteran sort of art therapist as well. Um, I mean, a common um, area that I think that we think of related to social media is marketing, you know, marketing mm -hmm. your practice, your business, your services. And I definitely see that like a lot, like on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and that's a huge like part of social media. I feel like social media marketing has become really a uh, priority kind of in the social media kind of world of mm -hmm, things. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, social media can also be a way to um, establish yourself as a um, 
sort of an authority or knowledgeable, maybe in a certain topic um, or mm-hmm. about our therapy um, and um, kind of just posting things that you um, are interested in or that you've written about, whether that's like publications or um, research that you're following. Just so then when, when somebody thinks about a certain sort of topic, then they'll be like, oh, I've seen like so-and-so like post about this, like on social media, they seem like they know mm-hmm. kind of what's going on sort of in, you know, the, the field of mental health or art therapy or whatever that might be. And I know that can be hard for people to kind of put them stuff out there to share sort of in that Uh, way um, because um, you are, you're like putting yourself um, out there. But I think when you do that, you get, you know, sort of things in return kind of for that. Um, Right. It's like embracing the vulnerability of it because Mm -hmm. it is really vulnerable to put yourself out there, to put your work out there, like professionally. I remember the first time I, um, I wrote something and had it, you know, published and that, that was like, oh, I can like feel the like physical symptoms of the anxiety of like, <clears throat> like yeah. that, like when your neck gets choked up and like, mm-hmm. you just like feel it all the way down to your stomach of like, oh my gosh, what if it's terrible? What yeah. like all, you know, all of those things and like, just really having to trust the process of like, it's okay. Like it's a learning experience mm-hmm. and, um, you know, people will give you grace if you messed up or mm-hmm. people will let you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I, and I think, um, starting with what maybe you're comfortable with, um, and baby steps towards that, um, whether it's just sharing, you know, podcasts or articles, or, I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily the work that you've done, but just that you're, you know, sharing about this particular topic or, um, cause or interest that's really important to your work, um, I think it is a way to kind of get yourself kind of out there and sort of um, sort of established in some way and then feeling more comfortable to develop that um, even more. Um, and uh, another way that that can sort of dovetail is um, sharing um, the professional activities that you're involved in. You know, like if you're Mm. attending a conference or you're going to be going to a workshop or something that you've participated in, you know, to share, you can share those sort of uh, on LinkedIn and on Instagram and Facebook and live tweet, you know, different sort of events, you know, if you you want to do that. But there's just a lot of different ways. to to share it that may not seem as scary you know like just establishing your presence like I'm an art therapist or I'm a mental health professional and I'm here sort of at this conference or at this workshop uh, and I'm attending like these sessions or it was great to hear this presenter or this keynote and just engaging and connecting in that way. And Mm. I I feel there's such like support and connection um, 
on social media that that can be um, further amplified or sort of reciprocated um, as well. Um, and oh, then, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also, which also is another vulnerable kind of piece, but sharing um, your own artwork or maybe creative practice or things that you're just interested in related to um, art and media. I mean, that's such a, a huge piece for our therapists um, yeah. and kind of connecting that to, you know, what you sort of are drawn to with that. Like if you're into clay or into fiber arts or digital kind of art therapy to kind of um, be able to, to share resources and writings and things kind of connected to that. Um, as well. Um, and I think as a student or coming to be a, a new professional, it can also help um, bring attention uh, to your like profile to potential employers or career kind of opportunities. I know um, sometimes topics that I've posted about or things I'm interested in, it may be, some of you like, hey, do you want to like do this presentation or maybe we can like do a workshop, you know, like such cool things like get oh, born, yeah. you know, in that way. But you don't really know that unless you kind of put yourself sort of out there. To it's so true. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I, um, you know, when you were saying that, I was thinking like, huh, has that happened to me? And then I was thinking like, you know what, actually like um, an, almost a decade ago, I started working doing uh, contracted groups in, um, in the substance abuse treatment uh, realm of things. So, but somebody reached out to me from LinkedIn. They found mm. my profile on LinkedIn, reached out, asked if I would be willing to do groups for them. And I was like, oh, I've not done that before. I don't know. Um, you know, I had to really like think about it, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. I, I will figure it out. And, um, and I'm glad that I did because then it like ended up turning into like, I, I still do that. And I've done that at a number of different programs as a result, but it was from having, if I didn't have that profile on LinkedIn, that could have been a missed opportunity for me. Yeah. I think people, they may have their, a page that's up, but maybe they're not kind of managing it or kind of overseeing it or I mean and I'm guilty of that so it's hard to like keep yeah. um, up with that but like just making you know like going back and making sure like links are still working because it is a miss opportunity <sighs> like if yeah. somebody wants to learn kind of more about your work or um, current things that they can easily kind of find that um, and if something isn't there because you just haven't put it there or it's just like outdated and it doesn't work anymore. Um, 
you know, that it does, it's a missed opportunity. So there's definitely ways to leverage that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's a really good example about LinkedIn. I think that's, that's great to share. Cause I think sometimes people are like, do things really happen on LinkedIn, you know, (laughs) where people get reached out to and um, yeah, it does happen. Right. I mean, usually people are reaching out to sell me something, but like that was that, that, yes, that's like the whole marketing promotion kind of piece but some of that you can weed out of and kind of filter out for sure yeah I had a reporter one time connect with me like through LinkedIn who was looking to do an employment news article about like an art therapist um, career and oh cool um, yeah was kind of following stuff that that I was kind of just sharing on social media and it wasn't necessarily um any particular specialization it was just like this person does art therapy and I want to do a career profile like on art therapy so I'm gonna reach out to this individual so if you're there and you're kind of accessible yeah definitely can happen yeah that's yeah yeah, that's really really cool um and I think something people probably wouldn't think about but you know, when you look through like your Google news feed, there often are a lot of stories now uh, or, or like published, you know, short pieces in different news media that are actually covering social media, mm-hmm. you yes. know? Yeah. yeah. So it is, it is an opportunity The the, the people in the journalism fields are looking at those things. So Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to spread the word. Yeah, it gets picked up and definitely has increased like over the last like few years. I mean, when you were at the beginning of uh, the podcast, just saying about how things have developed. I mean, I think even, you know, since I wrote um, my book, which is like four years ago. I mean, I feel like it's like doubled or tripled or quadrupled the things that I see that art therapists are doing online. And it's so very inspiring and cool to see that sort of happening in all different kind of forms and and ways. Um, and I feel like that's just going to continue to grow, um, you know, in some amazing way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I mean, it can't not continue to grow. It, it just, it has been um, unfolding so rapidly over the years. Um, But in, in a good way, I think we're learning as we go, like, okay, like we definitely need to have some boundaries and, you know, some ethics around it. And maybe that's something that you could speak about because a lot of people will have questions like, well, I want to be on social media, but I'm not really sure how to navigate it. Um, so that I, you know, how do I keep the professional professional Mm. and not intermingled or like, how do I, you know, how do you navigate all of those things? Are there a few like guidelines that you could provide to folks that are just kind of stepping into this realm and getting their feet wet and don't really know? Yeah, this like the world's colliding, you know, and then on social media, it's such a 
blur, you know, of our professional and maybe personal life or, you know, the clients that we work with, the agencies that we work for, all of that is like, you know, online. So a lot of that can definitely start to intermix sort of together. Um, And that can cause anxiety or stress for the therapist, you know, that's like, I don't even want to touch it. You know, that Mm -hmm. might be like the reason that somebody may be hesitant or don't want to put themselves sort of out there because Mm -hmm. then there could be more like visibility sort of in, in that. So I, I think about, um, different, um, content or sharing strategies, um, that, people can sort of think about to, to help navigate that. Um, one um, way to um, focus on that may be um, an audience strategy of sharing information, which sort of means having separate sort of distinct sort of networks, like having a, a list or a network of like professional or colleagues or um connected to your work and career, and then having another um, sort of network or list related to family and friends and, you know, outside of sort of your career life. And so then when you're posting sort of content about um, your work and not like clients or anything like that, like protected sort of information, but you're not, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if my friends and family like get like sick of all your therapy stuff (laughs) that I post. Um, But, you know, they might be like, oh gosh, you know, sort of with that. So that sort of helps like thinking you can really help create sort of that, that difference. And sometimes people have a particular, particular um, professional therapy kind of page for their practice or um, for their business. And while again, they're not sharing specific client um, information, they may be advertising their groups or their services or promoting. And it's very focused to that sort of audience, you know, versus Mm -hmm. that being just part of your own kind of personal sort of profile um, if you're wanting to kind of really separate um, the two. Uh, another uh, sharing um, strategy, which is the strategy I feel like I use um, the most, which is a content strategy. Mm. Um, and the content strategy has its pros and cons. Um, one of the um, disadvantages could be feeling like you're really maybe censoring yourself or you're not kind of free and open to share whatever you want to share like when the mood strikes you but having a content strategy is just being very mindful and intentional about the content that you post wherever you're on on social media or whatever kind of networks you have so it is professional and connected to the work or um, reflects sort of that in um, your professional kind of presence online. So I feel that whether it's 
on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, obviously LinkedIn, since it's more professionally based. Uh, what I'm sharing, I'm always thinking about like how that can be perceived sort of um, the content wise mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. that. So again, my family and friends kind of getting a lot of the art therapy stuff. That's really how I feel like I mostly use social media. So I don't have apologies sort of for that. Um, mm -hmm. And not to say I don't share personal sort of things sure. um, because I do, you know, like birthday parties or event, you know, things like that, yeah. that are, because there's that human side, but I'm also very aware of what I'm choosing to kind of put out there, you know, and um, I think that's a good rule of thumb for social media posting in general is to really pause and sort of think about what you're wanting to share the intention behind like why do you want to share this and then then taking sort of that action and um because social media can be so easily you can just like type something and hit send or just tap it you know on your phone oh. or you know on the go and not even realize i feel like that's just part of social media's landscape you know that you're like oh maybe i totally shouldn't have done that you know like there's things that i'm like oh what was yeah sort of with that so just really slowing things sort of down and, and thinking about that intentionally um and then you can also do a custom uh sharing strategy which is a little bit of both of having specific audiences and then specific content um, for those audiences too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think just really being mindful about what you want to share, how you share it, and the intention behind that and thinking about um, does this connect to my values or mm. what's important to me like as a a person in the world, um, as an art therapist, as a <laughs> mental health professional that I want to um, advocate for, or, you know, that I'm involved in. Um, I think having it aligned with that mm -hmm. um, really is a uh, sort of a strength-based way to approach um, kind of your digital presence um, online. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's like you're you're connect you're connecting to like, you know, what your 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 values are, your passions are, um, and you're creating like a continuous thread. Um, so there's that like continuity and consistency factor, which I think builds trust mm -hmm. in the audience um, when you are consistent and um, they're like, oh you know, that's you. I can tell that's yeah, you. This is like who you are, <laughs> like whether you're, you know, like trauma informed work is really important to me. So I will post, you know, things around trauma that, you know, other people are doing or topics around that. Also positive psychology, you yeah, know, different, different social justice issues. Um, there's just a lot, you know, like finding like what you're really passionate about and what connects for you. And yeah, that being, it's who you are, you know? And so 
not just what's that presence or what's seen on social media because you can definitely curate that I think that's like an issue that social media has you know that you can um uh, curate sort of this kind of presence that isn't really who you are you know that so it connects to who authentically you you are um as well yeah I and I think as therapists um that's going to resonate, right? That we Mm -hmm. can be authentic to who we are um, Mm -hmm. online, but we can edit it. And so that it's not, we're not all public facing, like our Mm -hmm. entire life isn't public facing, but we can still have this presence that can help um, support and grow our, um, our careers. And um, I, I think that's a really cool aspect of social media. It gives you a greater opportunity for um, reaching people that otherwise probably you may not have been able to reach pre this kind of era and time. Yeah, because everybody's online or Googling things and, and searching for things versus things that come in the mail or like using a phone book, you know, like that, that's not a thing kind of anymore. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. If, if people were just starting off and they're like totally unfamiliar with social media, which platform do you think Mm -hmm. is kind of the easiest to navigate and like most user-friendly for a therapist who's like just starting that process? I I started out like with like the social media, like legit, like platform, you know, before like the pre-social media, I used um, LinkedIn as like my first because I was a little freaked out by like the wide openness of Facebook or even Twitter at that Mm -hmm. time. um, LinkedIn to me felt more comfortable because it was professionally based and career based. So I started there. Uh, LinkedIn isn't always the easiest thing to navigate it can be a little (laughs) cumbersome um so i don't know if um that in that sense if it fits sort of for that but um your profile is basically your resume and being able to share your um experiences or accomplishments or things that you've been involved in so um having that kind of professional focus might not seem as vulnerable maybe as Mm -hmm. as a person um facebook is is very like like i mentioned before very wide open like everybody is on Facebook, um, pretty much. And, um, that has access to lots and lots and lots of people. So it could be very overwhelming, you know, if you're a little bit like, Ooh, do I really want to put myself out there? Um, I think Instagram, I, um, have really positive, um, connections sort of too and instagram is very visual based Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which i think lends itself really nicely for artists and art therapists 
Instagram also does not allow uh, within their posts like text, um, like hyperlinked text. Um, you can link things in your profile and things like that, but there's less promotional, mm -hmm. um, like by my whatever, you know, like on Instagram. Um, but there's a lot of really um, neat ways I see people using Instagram. Um, to communicate their messages, their art, their work, mm -hmm. um, what's important to them or sharing inspiration. So Instagram, I would also kind of put up there sort of on the list. I um, agree. I think it's like one of the easiest ones to learn how to use. It's really simple yeah. Um, in terms of like the technology, being able to navigate it, whereas even Facebook, I mean, it's easy enough, but it's still, there's like so much that you can do. It can be confusing and overwhelming, even for somebody yeah. who's been using it for a really long time. Like I created an event, a local networking event for a group that like a local therapist Facebook group that I manage, um, for people in my area. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I created this event and like put it out there like, oh, it should go to your, you know, Facebook messenger or whatever. And then people are like, um, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm like, I don't even know what I did wrong. And I've been using Facebook for a really long time. Um, and yeah. not that I'm an expert, but I mean, I feel pretty confident. <laughs> There's a lot of layers and um yeah, complications and things change really. I mean, things change on social media very quickly, but Facebook seems to change much more quickly than other kind of platforms that I've experienced. And when the changes do happen, I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> where did this go? Or what do I, what do I do, you know, to, yeah. you know, kind of understand this better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have to ask, um, what's your philosophy on, on therapists that are utilizing it to really kind of market themselves and their, and their business? Do you think that it's wiser to have like pick one and just solely focus your energy on that one platform and really creating that cohesive message in that one area? Or is it more advantageous to have it distributed in multiple places? That's a really good question. Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say primarily focusing on one platform um, that you know you can be consistent with and mm -hmm really devote your time and energy or focus to that. Um, if you feel like being on multiple platforms would spread you too thin um, because then that quality may not be as, as good if you're mm -hmm. trying to be all over the place. Um, you can do um, some cross sort of posting, like if you're sharing primarily on, um, say, your website or um, a blog or um, 
a particular platform such as Instagram. You could share it on other sort of platforms too, um, Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, and the, the, I guess the benefit of being on multiple sort of platforms is not everybody um, uses the platforms in the same way. Like you may, mm. you may um, get somebody's attention on Twitter that maybe not so much like on Instagram or maybe they've seen it on Facebook, but um, they didn't really kind of really take notice until it was something that popped in on LinkedIn for some reason. And, and some of that I think just depends on where people frequent and kind of how they use the platform, which you may not know anything about. Um, but I think having that really quality, um, su substantial content, um, in whatever sort of way that is, is kind of most important um, versus sort mm -hmm. of that, that quantity, quantity over quality. Yeah. And I've, and I've seen like some therapists do it different ways. Like the way you were talking about where it's primarily like, here are all the things that I'm passionate about that I think are really important and that really connect to my profession and, and the work that I'm doing or like the work of colleagues that are doing similar work to me. Um, and then I've seen other therapists that um, really use their own voice and like that becomes the continuity is using their own voice and their knowledge about the topic area, whether that's trauma or, um, you know, whether that's uh, more of like spiritual practices that, you know, relate to what they're doing um, and that their voice then becomes the platform and it's like they're not really sharing anything from anybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting to see like how different people choose to, to do it and that there's no right way and there's yeah. no wrong way. It's like finding your own way. Yeah. Um, I think it's what fits for you. You know, therapists that may choose to use like their Facebook professional page for marketing and mm -hmm. promoting their services, but maybe Instagram, they may use in a completely different way, you know, um, sharing art or sharing photos of nature or inspirational mm -hmm. or affirmational pieces. Um, and then Twitter might be, I feel like when I use Twitter, it's sharing like links to other things um, related to um, things that I'm sort of passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, it's very informational based um, on Twitter. And sometimes there's like crossover on all of them, but mm -hmm. um, you could designate like, I'm gonna use this platform for this or that. But, but to remember that each of those like takes time and energy to sort of have that kind of routine um, and keeping up sort of with that, I think can be a challenge um, mm -hmm. to do. 
Yeah. Do you ever use um, any of those like third party applications, which allow you to like batch post where you put in all of your stuff and then it's on a timeline and it just spits it out onto your different accounts that it's linked to so that it's not so overwhelming? Yeah, I used to have um, content synced with different like third party apps, Mm -hmm. but then I kind of um, unsync them all uh, just to, I don't know, kind of just do it more organically. Um, And sometimes I choose just to go over and and post things on another kind of site or platform myself. And then sometimes I don't. Um, But I, yeah, definitely probably in my earlier days of like social media um, where I did that a a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, it just, it felt like it was easier to manage. Um, mm-hmm. Now I have, I have somebody that helps me manage my business, social media. Um, it's just too much for me to manage all the things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot, it's a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there, but for folks that are just starting off, if they're, you know, you know, they don't have somebody to help them. There are different tools out there that will allow you to batch work. And so mm-hmm. you don't have to be doing it every single day. You can just yeah. set aside one hour a week and that's your hour to like create all your content and you put all of your stuff in there and then it automatically sends it to all your places, uh, which helps out a lot. Yeah. And I think uh, what you had set, you know, like scheduling and making time for that, I think it is really important, you know, setting aside an hour or, you know, that time to do it, um, just like you would, you know, planning or program development or whatever that might be, you know, just like an hour or whatever time that you need to do that. Yeah. If it's not scheduled, it certainly could get eaten up by other Mm -hmm. things um, easily for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. Is there, there, are there any things that we didn't touch on that you think would be really helpful for people um, who really want to use social media, but haven't been um, to, to grow their, their platform, their um, product business? I would um, say, and this sort of goes along with the ethical, the boundary kind of pieces around like privacy Mm -hmm. to um, definitely look on the social media sites that you're a part of and what the privacy settings are set to Mm -hmm. that you have. Um, and to do privacy checkups every like few months or so, because things change, um, Mm -hmm. and things get sort of out of whack. You know, I, I know privacy is, a uh, a weird thing on social media. Like, do we have privacy? I don't know. But like, but to take as much like ownership that we can, to do that and to pay attention um, to um, our privacy settings and knowing where they are and and how to use them. I think that can be a great way um, to start to feel a little bit more comfortable about like 
you know, what you're putting out there and who's able to see like what and, and all of that. And I'd also recommend um, being aware of our digital footprint um, oh. and the, what we sort of leave online and how once you put stuff out there, you can't really take it back, um, which can freak people out as well to not oh, yeah. to be on social media, but um, not saying it in a fear-based way at all. But again, just empowering yourself, um, Googling yourself, you know, to see like what things pop up about you and your business because if you see it like others in the public potential clients employers you know can see that sort of as well and just to be aware of what's out there um about about yourself so that's um suggestions that i would have people do um for homework or something Mm. is kind of just do you know where your privacy settings are and um, what what does a Google kind of search look like? And, and thinking, and this maybe goes along with the values and your digital presence, but like I've um, listened to like TED Talks and podcasts about not only the idea of the digital footprint, but also your digital stamp or like your digital mm. legacy. So what what do you want that to be like in five years or 10 years or if you weren't here anymore like what what would you want that presence to convey or communicate about you and and thinking about that like again slowing that process down before you kind of just kind of post something willy-nilly yeah yeah definitely so um yeah that's something that I think is important um, to think about again more around empowering ourselves um, mm-hmm. and taking sort of um, more ownership of that and not being as passive or or fear kind of focused on that because I truly believe that there's so many more benefits and advantages versus mm-hmm. um, the disadvantages. I agree too. And I just, I love that. I love that, like the digital legacy aspect of things. That's not something that I really had a conscious um, thought about. I mean, I do think about what I am putting up there, but I didn't think about it in those terms and um, you know, what happens because it does continue to be there um, after, you know, you're gone, um, Mm -hmm. which is really an interesting concept. Um, and I've been toying around with this idea, like two years ago, my mom passed away and I, I like, I don't know why, but I just really felt the need to use my Facebook, Mm -hmm. like to like really express my grief and like process my grief. Um, in a way, because I like felt like otherwise I was just like in the dark, um, in my bed mm-hmm. or like, yeah. you know, in a hole, deep hole on the couch, just like in my pain mm-hmm. and like putting it out on Facebook, um, was a way to like stay connected to her. And it's so weird. Like this past, um, week was like, the two years um, 
of her like memorial service. And like that came up in my memories, which mm-hmm. took me to her page, mm-hmm. which is still there with all of that writing that I was able to like review. And, um, and it's just interesting how much the social media piece has become part of my like grief story and, mm-hmm. and process. Um, I know that's definitely off topic from like yeah, the no, other stuff, I tol- but I totally feel like it's, it's relatable. I mean, how, um, just technology and online presence, you know, whether that's professionally or not, I mean, it's just part of our way of sort of being or our mm-hmm. lives or other people's lives or our relationships and your experience that you're sharing can also be an experience that a client, you know, also is experiencing as well, um, which I think is important. Uh, I mean, this is a whole other kind of podcast thing, but, but being aware sort of of how technology impacts the lives of those we work with and how we need mm-hmm. to be aware and attentive to that um, yeah. because that's what people are are using and they're experiencing and if if they're coming to you as a therapist and you're like I have no idea like what Facebook's about or you know like that like that and nobody's got time to like waste their whole therapy session like giving you a crash course on social media and all of that but like <laughs> you know, your experience is, is relatable for others, you know, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. connected to that. So I can totally think it's like related. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it lasts, it doesn't go like that stuff doesn't go away. It's still Mm -hmm. there. Um, which in some ways it's a little bit surreal. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an, I don't know if that word actually like accurately describes it. Like as much as what I'm looking for, but I think it's the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but thinking about that legacy piece of like this continues to um, endure beyond mm-hmm. what we're using it for, I think is yeah. really important for people yeah. to think. Oh. And who knows who it'll touch or inspire or move or impact, you know, in, yeah. in some way you know, beyond Mm -hmm. maybe even the audiences that you intended originally. Yeah, that's so true. And um, yeah, and I, and I appreciate what you're saying too, about there's more benefits than there are potential problems when we utilize it with integrity. And when we're, you know, really mindful about and and intentional about what we're doing there Um, and we're using it for positive um, you know, impact in the community. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in fear. I think, you know, fear is really, um, magnetic in that way. And we have to do a lot of work to say like, no, like, you don't, Mm -hmm. you don't get to come in. (laughs) Yeah. You can take kind of the reins sort of with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if listeners want to learn more about you and find your book, um, where can they find you, Gretchen? 
Well, if you are uh, on Facebook, I have a uh, page specifically for my book, um, The Art Therapist Social or Art Therapist Guide to Social Media. And um, the actual um, page is called uh, Art Therapy Meets. Um, social media on, on Facebook, but if you start to type in the Art Therapist Guide to Social Media, it'll probably pop up. It's a public um, page, and I share different um, tips and tools and news and articles around um, not only social media, but mental health, um, not specifically art therapy focus, but um, just resources around that. And then um, a really good um, sort of flagship is my uh, per, my website, which is Gretchen-Miller.com. And that kind of has everything, um, different ways that you can connect uh, online as well as my book. Um, and um, yeah, just, I kind of keep that like an ongoing resource of, of things. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I will definitely put that in the show notes so that um, audience members that are interested can reach out or follow you on social media. And um, I'm really grateful for you making the time today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I'm so mm. honored. Yes. And very much appreciate this conversation and interest in this topic. Yeah, and, and I'm grateful for your participation. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Gretchen Miller. I hope that you learned a bit more about how social media can benefit um, you as you grow your practice or, um, you know, grow your professional brand and even grow a community. And that's one of the things I love about podcasting is this idea of growing a community, even though um, I, you know, I might be far away or my voice might be far away and, um, but we still can be connected. And if you need additional support um, in order to build out something in your practice to start creating a practice, or maybe it's an idea that you have about bringing a product or um, service to life, and you need some guidance um, in that entrepreneurial journey. I have consultation packages available, and um, I'd love to help you in that work. And you can learn more about that by heading over to our website, which is Creative Clinicians Corner. Com. And if you look at the lab uh, in the menu bar, you'll be able to tap on that and click on creative consultations and you can learn a bit more about how um, that product may be able to help you bring, you know, your vision to life. All right, take care and uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.